Syria are fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani. This is Chris with Marco and Tad, ready to discuss Week 18. And we're doing it a little differently this time, guys. I'm in the great state of New Jersey, and you're at Curve America headquarters in Washington, D.C. How are you guys? Actually, I was pointing out to Marco that I think this is the last time we are going to be recording in this Curve America headquarters. Ah. I think our, our next pod's going to be uh, up in old uh, Petworth for the the All change right. so yeah i got a house bought a house in petworth in washington dc so we're moving there to record and sayonara arlington or chow or riva yeah it's so it's so uh sad um we're gonna miss this place we're gonna miss moving this little table out of your sunroom into here and cramming around the table uh at least we got a, a chair upgrade in the meantime but uh it is a lot to reflect on here who who knows what will be in store for the next chair upgrade in in the yeah. new curve america headquarters so long as we don't downgrade uh so long as the chair game stays strong bring bring back the red rocket it's still there yeah for chris to crash uh, through <laughs> how uh how was your christmas guys that's obviously the reason why i'm up north in the great state of new jersey um uh, do we have any new Pirlo's, new Roma gear to talk about? Uh, Leslie, uh, Mrs. Podcast, uh, got me the Roma Derby uh, limited edition jersey. No name on the back yet. I will track down um, a DeRossi to put on the back of it. I'm really fighting to, uh, really trying to fight off the need to get Toti, but I've gotten like the last three jerseys of him. And, you know, I love Toti, but DeRossi's my all time favorite. Um, and he actually played in the game. Um, so, uh, yeah, I got, I got the, the, the Derby Jersey. It's as fresh as you would, could possibly imagine. It's as cool as, uh, in my opinion, the coolest Roma Jersey that's been put out. Um, so yeah, riding high on that. That thing is nice. I, um, you know, everything was great. I, I, I got some cool gifts, but this year was the first year in like 15 or 16 years that I didn't go to Italy. My parents went, but my brother and I stayed back. So we had dinner with my friend Marcus's. Or should I, I guess his name's Fabio Mm -hmm. for us. We had dinner with his parents. uh, So it was kind of like American style Christmas. And I have to say it was, uh, it was really amazing. Shout out to the Randy family, to the Fabio family. It was, uh, it was a really kind of magical Christmas for me and my brother who have just been doing uh, Italian Christmases, which is still good. I I have to bring up something about this though. Last Thursday uh, of the Roma Chievo game, Alessandro, uh, Marco's brother, um, was late to come watch the game because he had to take Marcus's parents to the airport. Sorry, Marcus. Uh, Marco's parents, Marco and Alessandro's parents to the airport because their flight was the night before and they didn't make their flights. And it was an evening flight. So they had the whole day to prepare and they still missed their flight. Hashtag most Italian thing ever. <laughs> missing an, missing a fl- an evening flight. Something's never changed. <laughs> So tell us about the meal, Marco. Was there any Italian elements to this meal? Was there any Italian elements? No, although the hostess made these like peas with uh, pancetta and uh, onions. 
that my mom always makes when whenever they have them over. So it's kind of an homage to my mom. But they had this nine pound beef tenderloin. I swear, when Fabio's dad took the the tenderloin out the fridge, I was like, it was like a baby. It was a baby <laughs> in his hands. Um, super good food. Guys, you know, Christmas in America, not too shabby. Yeah, I, c- I can just see Marco, Alessandro, and Fabio sitting around the Christmas tree with footy pajamas on, eating peas and pancetta and onions and waiting for the tenderloin <laughs> to get done. I went out to uh, uh, northwest Virginia for Leslie's parents. Uh, they have a house in a small town called Hamilton, um, which is even more so the D.C. suburbs now because the city's growing and expanding so much. But it was a madhouse. Like Leslie's two sisters both have little kids just running around screaming. Leslie's dad and stepmom slaving in the kitchen. Uh, Leslie's dad almost burned the house down because he forgot to open up the flue for the uh, for the for the <laughs> fireplace. Classic um, mistake. Yeah, Leslie's ninety uh, year old Italian grandma, Grandma Gags Gaglione, um, you know, holding court, and then of course just. 500,000 pounds of presents. And if you haven't in a while, seeing toddlers open up Christmas presents is the most insane thing ever. They like like <laughs> tear something open, scream, black out. Then they're just grabbing another <laughs> pet present, ripping it open. And it's like all this like just different kinds of loud toys that, you know, just sirens and all sorts of crazy stuff man it's 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 intense and then you're there like oh these are i'm glad i got these socks yeah i've been wanting these thanks guys and they're like (laughs) riding around on bicycles it's good stuff so it sounds like i had the most italian holiday of the podcast uh we had lasagna on for christmas eve but that's the most and and we did too we did too all right I have eaten nothing but pasta and pizza, and it's New Jersey right now is as close to Italy as I can get this side of the Atlantic. So, pretty happy about that. It's nice to be home. Yeah, well, at all the Curve Americans out there, guys, uh, please, if you get a chance, uh, if you got any sort of Syria gear or you know new cleats or anything like that, snap a pic and send them over to us uh, on Twitter um, at Curve America. If you're not on Twitter, also Facebook or Instagram. But uh, I think, as I learned from toddlers this Christmas, the only thing more fun than getting a present is showing other people the presents you got. So if you got something sweet, unless it's an OTFR jersey, then you can kind of keep that one to yourself. That's right. Yeah, that's a good way. Says says Ratlich on the back, which is Lulich's (laughs) new name. Um, For uh, soccer-specific news, guys, uh, with Christmas, we're recording today on uh, Boxing Day, uh, known in England for uh, – they have nothing but EPL games today, which is kind of a tradition. And uh, it was in the news uh, that Italy's uh, president and and, uh, uh, leaders of the Serie A League are are talking about it, whether they should go this route too. And and basically the argument is should they become more of an international league – and, and follow suit for England, or should they stay in the traditional Italian mode that Christmas is sacred, people should be with their families, that's part of our heritage? Um, where do you guys come down on that uh, on that debate? You know, as a soccer fanatic, uh, I'm, I'm a little biased. I want to be able to wake up the day after Christmas yeah. and watch soccer in the morning. <laughs> but um, I do always find myself asking, like, 
you know, what are, the, what are their families thinking? You know, you want to give these, these, they're people too. You know, you want to give them the due time that they have to enjoy with their families because they're already always on the road. Uh, it's amazing. It's professional soccer players, you know, football players in the U.S., they're playing on Christmas Eve, right? Was mm-hmm. it? Oh, oh, and then at the Eve NBA, yeah, they, well, they had a, the Christmas Eve, and then the NBA always has a right. slate of games. You know, I, I, right. I don't know. It seems to me like uh, sometimes we need to, you know, put things in perspective. I think family time is very important. Um, taking a couple of days off of sports is is probably a good thing. But as a fan, man, I love I love watching the EPL this morning. Um, you know, I might have had a different answer last year uh, because this year I'm, I'm very much excited to have a week off from having to race run and do the podcast in such a such a crazy time of year. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I agree with Marco that, you know, being able to watch soccer on, you know, like the boxing day or the day after Christmas, you know, that's, that's pretty awesome. You don't really have anything to do and you can just kind of veg out and, and you know, watch people that are in peak physical health judging you through the TV screen as you just get fatter and fatter and fatter and more and more roly-poly, like looking at you like, do you really need that third slice of cookies and cream pie, Tad? And I'm like, hey, come on now. With a little coffee. Yeah, with a little coffee. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, for me, this, you know, they're professional athletes. They're compensated very well for their time. Um, and I'm sure that you know, the competitive nature of it, if, if one, you know, if one of them doesn't want to do it, there's a million other people that'd be willing to play on that day. But that being said, I think soccer is a little bit different because it seems like these guys never have a break, right? You know, that they're, that even in the off season, they're playing international competitions. They have to race around and train with the national team during the season. So I think it's, it's no great loss that, um, if they're not, if they're taking a week off, I'm, I'm surprised that, more leagues have them play. It's just it's just a nice little midway break in the season, and you can kind of like all things in life reflect on the year before, and you know uh, uh, have have some free time, and then gear up for the for the next push. Yeah, the the England part of it, it's part of their tradition, part of their history. I, I saw today Boxing Day is is about how factory workers got um, boxes of gifts, and that's the tradition. So. You know, if if Italy's trying to Im- imitate England, it's it's they shouldn't do it because there's no tradition for them to do so. I would be open to like a New Year's game or something like that. I don't know if they need two weeks off, but I'm fine with Christmas uh, being Christmas. That's okay with me. But I do love the hashtag most Italian thing ever that there are people in Italy that are like, hey, this this is Jesus's time. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Like Very you'd be in fair. church right now. Well, that's probably yeah. why the transfer window uh, opens up the third, uh, as opposed to in England, it opens up the first, and same with Germany. I think Spain's the second, France is the first. Um, you know, Italy just when, you know, when I go over there, I, we usually go during this time, and it's like, how many holidays or how many like special days can you have in a row? You know. It's like Christmas, uh, Santo Stefano, it's, uh, you know, Christmas (laughs) Eve, then it's New Year's, then it's Bifana. It's like, you know, if they would have if they would have kept pushing the transfer window back, you would have never started until like February. Um, So it's I mean, it you know, again, maybe it's a little overdone sometimes, but, you know, there's there is the thing people always talk about Italians being so like, you know, close with their families and so like. 
I don't know. Traditional. You know, traditional and, and, you know, so warm, open hearted. I don't know. Maybe it all plays in uh, to the fact that they, they have all these super close family bonding things. And yeah, uh, well, it's, Florenzi's it's kiss yeah. and his Nona in the stands. Yeah, like, I mean, come on, getting a yellow for that? <laughs> Dina Talley. Can you, you believe know? that ref? He probably, he probably got fired after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hashtag keep Italy Italian. Yeah. That's where I come down on it. Just make sure you make your flights. <laughs> yeah. Well, Marco, you're right to bring up the transfer window. As you said, uh, it's about to open up uh, January 3rd and goes the entire month of January to the 31st. Crazy time if you're running a podcast uh, because all the rumor mills, they're starting up again. Who's going to end up where? And so we'll be talking about that in this episode, a uh, couple rumors out there. So, guys, let's uh, let's start getting into it for uh, for this week. We want to remind everybody, social media, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Fabio at CurveAmerica.com. Tad already mentioned, please send in pictures of your Italian soccer gear. We'd love to see what you got uh, for Christmas and uh, so we can keep spreading Serie A. Uh, we did have one question come in last week uh, from social media. At Hang the DJ had a Roma question, and uh, it was whether Spalletti, the coach of Roma, uh, he issued himself a, a personal ultimatum. If Roma doesn't win anything by the year's end, he says he's out. And so the question for the podcast is, one, do you think that's the right decision for Spalletti at this uh, point in the season? And if, two, Roma hasn't won anything, who do you think would be a replacement? Uh, for Spalletti, let's see. You know, I've been so happy with Spalletti, I haven't even been thinking about that. And so... Maybe Montella, just because there's a little bit of history there, uh, depending on how Milan does. Yeah, that'd be a coup right now, though. You know, yeah. and uh, Roma always seems to find these managers that are doing well around the the world. But, you know, you know what? Maybe um, uh, Martinez, the guy who, I mean, right now he's the Mexico coach, but, you know, these national team coaches, you know, they're in and out. What I would really like to see maybe is Capello come out of nowhere. And yeah. then just kind of be Roma's coach again and then bring it back to 2001 and uh, all the way back to the Scudetto, Scudetto times. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is it the right decision for Spalletti? Um, it's an interesting thing in soccer that the coach is going to issue the ultimatum to the team that he's going to get out if they don't win. I think there's... Not much. I think it's a motivational tactic. I don't think there's much truth behind the fact that he just he dip because it's you know, that's that's the captain abandoning the ship. And um, so for him to put that out there, I mean, I think you the message that you're sending, you know, maybe, Chris, you have a different point than I do. But I think it's kind of a, a, a not a very good message to send the team. You want to be that you know, you're the, if you're the captain of a ship, you go down with the ship. Um, but as far as the the. I think what's a more fun answer rather than if it's the right decision or not, because no, I mean, leaving Roma is never the right decision um, <laughs> is who's his replacement. And, you know, it's, it's fun to start really thinking about that, but Montella, I agree would be a great one just because he was a, 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 a Roma star, but like, I think Milan has found their man and it's tough to take, um, it's tough to, to, to take a play, take a coach away from him. So who I think would be interesting to see is somebody that's kind of down in the dumps right now because the team is, is flailing. Um, if DeFrancesco can right the ship for Sassuolo, keep the team together, I mean, that's a, that is a sinking ship right there. And I think there's a lot of unluck with him. We'll talk about it later with the injuries. But um, 
sometimes a homecoming really motivates a coach. And, you know, DeFrancesco's never coached at that level for a club this big before. So if we were to get a new coach, I'd like to see him. I'd like to get a Roman in there. Maybe Panucci's coming Ooh. out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just yeah. You never know. Phil who's, Jackson. You never know who's coming up <laughs> through the ranks. Yeah. Maybe Francesco yeah, Totti. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Impossible. Um, He's going to be playing. <laughs> yeah. I wrote in here, uh, guys. I I think metrics are good. Results matter. And so Tad, yeah, I, I am taking kind of a different point of view on it in that. You know, the guys on the team can't get complacent with a second-place finish again. I think if they know that Spalletti's job is on the line, if they like playing under him, you got to win the league, and, and they better start playing that way. So uh, just a little bit slight more motivation. I, I really think it's way too soon to be talking replacement talk unless the ship is on fire and, and it's just going down that you really need to make a change uh, like we did last year. Um yeah, I don't but see a Rudy names. Garcia type thing with this with Spalletti. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. So Di Francesco, that's an interesting uh, take. Uh, some other coaches that are kind of in the bottom of their leagues, uh, looking at EPL, maybe Claudio Ranieri if Leicester City keeps uh, you know not doing well. And then I'm just gonna throw it out there because hey, I'm an American, Bob Bradley. Oh please. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Ranieri is gonna win the Champions League. So like, I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. Uh, good stuff. Uh, at hang the DJ, keep, keep the questions coming, but until the next time, let's start talking about week 18. Well, we're going to do the rundown. Hey, Chris, Merry Christmas, yeah. everyone. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Did we not start with that? Of course. Merry <laughs> happy, Christmas. Happy and, holidays. Uh, Capodanno. That's right. Happy new year. <laughs> happy holidays. Oh, and happy holidays. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. They're a clear message from Curve America. <laughs> All right, week 18 and the rundown. First, Inter staked their claim to challenge for Europe by waxing OTFR. Put them on wax. Roma bounced back from the Juve loss with a comfort behind victory over Chievo. And now it's time to feel the burn. Napoli hit with a speed bump named... Feda Burn Adeski. Very creative, Tad. Yeah, yeah. I'm on fire. And Milan Milan tell Juventus, no, you can't have all the trophies in Italy. They won the Super Copa Italia. We're going to start with that. And we're going to go off to Doha, Qatar. Juve Milan in the Super Copa Italia. All right, up first, guys, we got Juve and Milan in the Super Copa Italia. Milan take this one on PKs. They win, and the headline has to be that Milan continue to defy our predictions and pull a big win over Juventus. Every time we seem to say something, it goes the other way. i got to agree with that. So these two teams, guys, they're scheduled for Week 18 to play uh, Crotone for Juve and Bologna for Milan. Those will have to be rescheduled. Yeah, Roma, and, Roma uh, fans can't hold our breath that um, if it's coming down to that game, that Crotone will will, will give us will help us out. Yeah, yeah, that's a gimme a, makeup game for Juventus. Yep, and a little deceiving for anyone who's looking at the, the table right now because Juve does have that extra game that they have to play in the future. So, um, just keep that in mind if you are looking at the table out there. As far as the game goes, this is the first trophy for Milan since 2011. Taking down Juve for the second time this season. So 
Milan really acting like giant killers and uh, gives them a little bit of momentum, guys. What did you think of the game? You know, the game was pretty even uh, in terms of possession and shots and chances created. You fly to Qatar and uh, you're not really in front of your home fans, either one of the teams. Um, but you want, you're representing your team and it's the Supercoppa Italiana. Uh, I think everybody was kind of expecting Juventus to come through on this one and, and, and pull the win. Um, but credit to, to Milan, they, they really played hard. They, uh, they, you know, they, they, they took some chances and uh, they got rewarded for it in the end. Donnarumma, he's the hero. Yeah. As, as far as the goals during uh, regular time, uh, Chiellini got a stab uh, with a jumping volley off a corner. Pretty good goal. Um, but then Bonaventura responded with a flick header, and it goes in. So, you know, if you were in the crowd at Cutter, I don't know, at, which, did you guys get to watch this game? Did you feel like it was something they'd be happy with? I would have loved to watch that game, Chris, but it was uh, at the time – BN was not showing it live. They were showing a documentary on Mark Spitz. I don't know. Uh, But yeah, it was a good game. Thanks, BN. (laughs) Well, you know, the the Qatar fans have to be happy because um, they're probably Qatari and um, have a boatload of dough. um, Because how do you get two of the biggest soccer clubs in the world to come play in front of you in your home country. You have tons and tons and tons of oil money, and you pay for that, right? Um, when reading about this game, watch, watching the game and then reading about it afterwards, the one thing that really stood out to me, guys, is Giorgio Chiellini is younger than I am. He's only 32 years old. When wow. I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, dude. I mean, that dude needs to take a spa day or something, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's look. He's he's looking beat up. Yeah, that's how he plays, though, man. He got chewed up a little bit too much by Suarez. <laughs> let's uh, let's jump. This this game uh, did end in penalties, and so uh, some big saves. Uh, I think one of them we gotta. Why don't we just jump to the end with with Juve? Dybala gets denied. Save of the week candidate by Donnarumma. Did you guys see the replay of that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. An amazing save. That he's, kid's going to be a superstar. He's just a gigantic cat is what he is. Well, and a big, yeah. ugly cat. You see after that, and if we're kind of reflecting, um, afterwards he posted a big picture of him after making the save, kissing the Milan crest. And say, he said uh, um, in an interview that, you know, this is the club he's always wanted to play for. This is the club that... Um, you know, that he cheered as he was a kid. And so being linked to Real Madrid and Juventus and stuff like that, thinking they're going to poach him. This, you know, this could be a, this could be a, a, a spring rising, a, a Milan spring when they got the young hot coach with Montella. They got this young, crazy team um, that, you know, is a bit up and down, but still find themselves, you know, in, in the, in the third, you know, in the Europe discussion or the Champions League discussion of the first half of the season that, you know, you look at this and you think you can't keep Milan down forever. And, you know, they've had a couple of disappointing seasons, um, which, you know, has been fortunate for teams like Roma and Napoli. But they have they're starting to put together this team with players. And, you know, if, if they're able to have a successful year this year, if they're able to maintain the success from the past uh, the first first half of the season and keep Donnarumma away from other clubs trying to poach him and have him, you know, stay at Milan and shuck quote unquote, you know, bigger teams right now. Um, I think we could really be seeing the resurgence of Milan. I think Milan has a lot to be uh, happy about going in the winter break 
And I think that Donnarumma is sending a message that he's he's at the team he wants to be at. And how about Mario Pasalic getting to score the final oh, PK? Yeah. You know, I mean, again, I don't think we can uh, talk about it enough. This team is just so young. Uh, Milan, you know, they're, they're somewhat they're somewhat back this season, and they, you know, getting this win, second win against Juve already this season. That's huge. All right, so there's the Super Copa Italia for this year. Milan takes some trophy, some trophies away from Juve. Pretty good for them. Let's jump to the actual Week 18, guys. We got Roma and Chievo. Roma takes this 3-1. They hold on to second place after going down a goal early in this game. Uh, what'd you think? This is a game that uh, Roma needed to have. They needed to prove it to themselves as much as anybody. Uh, Chievo... I mean, we hyped them up a bunch at the beginning of the year because they, they started off really well. Um, you know, Bierce was one of the leading goal scorers of the of the league, and he's since kind of quieted down. Lucas Castro is still, you know, I think their best player and, and is still playing at a high level for uh, Chievo, um, but he didn't even play in this game. So Roma, who you've seen when, you know, things kind of stall and stutter a little bit, sometimes will follow up a loss of a big game like you've a with a draw to a, to a lesser team. And, you know, when they went down, they, after this first goal, um, it was kind of a little bit of that, uh Oh, like every Roma fan out there is knows the feeling that, you know, Oh my God, are we, are we really going to lose or draw to Kievo? We are so much better than they are. Their best player isn't even playing. So to see Roma, you know, really kind of put it to him, um, get that equalizer before the half with, you know, El Shrawi having an, an excellent uh, free kick strike. And then it just kind of put him away in the second half was really nice to see that, you know, the only thing Kiev was going to get out of this is a de Guzman goal celebration. The I like to call it the, the best barbecue ever or the drunken toddler. And that's where you go over to the side and you like, you know, just just kind of shake your shoulders so your arms flail back and forth. You know, you, you like you take a bite of like a really good piece of rib and you're like, ooh, and you shake your arms back and forth. Or such, I love that feeling. You know, where you uh, uh, where somebody spiked the baba and you see a toddler just dancing to some music, swaying, flailing its arms. Um, so you know, he got to knock that one in wherever that's going. But that's that's hashtag best barbecue ever or hashtag. Drunken toddler dance, yeah. So in the, we see that Roma goes down two one. Then you know El Shaw with the uh, with, with the great PK guys. You think that this is maybe a breakout game for him, a turnaround game. He's been quiet as of late, and this game he played really well. Well, obviously he was going to have a good game because we were talking about how he was underperforming <laughs> last podcast. Podcast it's, curse. Remember yeah. we were saying. Uh, I think I specifically remember saying that we need to get some depth behind the wings because El Shah just hasn't been performing. Well, now he's talking all this stuff about how he like his goals to get back on the national team and stuff like that. Good. I, I mean, he's a great player. He's young. Like, we love El Shahrawi. Remember when he came last season? He oh, scored yeah. that back heel. It's like, here, you know, here comes the savior. Uh, and then he floundered for a little bit. But, you know, he's uh, a good player. And if he is in good form... He's scoring sick free kicks. He's creating chances. He's getting assists. Great player because he's got pace and he's very dangerous. Get pace. Um, two things that El Sharawi. <laughs> two things with El Sharawi is, you know, homeboy has been injury prone in the past. We obviously we have fortunately haven't been dealing with a whole lot of that with him in Roma. 
And two, you know, he is a young player, so when his confidence is low, he doesn't play very well. And you can always tell El Shirawi when his confidence is up is when he's taken that deep strike, that Insigne-style strike, the Kendreva-style strike from outside the box and curling it in. And he had a couple of really good attempts on this one highlighted with his with his PK. So, I mean, it's a good chance for him to, to uh, uh, get back on the score sheet and hopefully improve his play. You can also tell when he is feeling good, is in good form, because his crest is up. Nice and straight. He's like Free Willy, you know. Is when he's he's down. He when he's a little bit less in form, it starts hanging off to the side. It, it gets flaccid. That's right. <laughs> so when he when his crest is erect, he uh, you can tell that it's it, mating it, season. Yes, it's, it's time for it's time for El Shaw to uh, to to become the pharaoh of the pitch. Sell the movie rights, guys. Free El Shawawi. <laughs> Uh, how about another guy, uh, Checo? He got a goal in this one with the go-ahead goal, went 2-1. Um, good game for him overall? Yeah, Checo, I thought, played very well this game. He's been off the score sheet the past couple of games, knocks one in. And it's your you know, your classic striker finding himself in the right place at the right time, putting himself in the position to knock in junk goals. And, I mean, Checo leads the Serie A this year with 43 shots on target. So... He in this game he was great at holding up play. He was you could see he was playing with confidence. He was looking to score. I thought he had a brace taken away from him when when old man Sorrentino um, just blindly stuck his hand up and, and corralled one in um, that Jekko could have had to, to to make it two and keep pace with uh, pace um, with uh, Icardi for uh, the Capo Canonieri. But yeah, I mean Jekko, you, you have you have to be happy that. The differences he's putting goals in from when 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 he's you know when it was easy to be critical of him, but you have to be happy with his work rate. And it seems like you know he wants it, and that's that's what you want out of a striker. That's that's what makes strikers world class, living and dying for the goal and working to get it. Yep, definitely rebounded from the first half of the first part of the season. Has uh, really seemed to found his stride here in the second part. Uh, hopefully that continues. Last guy we want to talk about with. Uh, for the goal scorers for Roma was Perotti. He got pulled down uh, in the box and and uh, got a penalty out of it. Uh, first thing I want to talk about was whether you thought it was a valid call, guys. Good or bad? Eh, you know, sometimes the call goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. I didn't think it was super blatant, but um, you know, got w- wouldn't have been offended that. if they didn't if they didn't call it, but super happy that they did. You know, sometimes it's good to play at home. There you go. Right. And then uh, to the to the goal itself, uh, I wrote in here just another slow walk up. Better finish those goals, but but he did. What did you guys think of uh, his style with yeah, the PK? I, anytime you see that, you just hold your breath. But you know, Perotti's you know he's he's just surgical with the shotgun, man. I mean, he can he he can do so many things and be so creative because he can put the ball anywhere he wants. And you could see it wasn't a, like a showboating tactic. I think he was. He was fired up in this game, and he had a nasty look on his face when he went up there. I think he knew they were showing his neck tattoo the whole game. <laughs> um, and when you see his eyes when he shoots, he forces the goaltender to bite. And it seems like he knew as he was walking up slowly that he could put it in anywhere he wanted um, as a low strike with some speed on it. Um, either way, the goalie didn't go. And he thankfully, Sorrentino bit, and he knocked it in. And it was great to breathe a sigh of relief with the 3-1. Yep. Still uh, ready to do the GoFundMe page for that neck tattoo for Perotti. Uh, It's it's just awful. He's got a valuable resource on the team for neck tattoos, man. Just, just, just 
look down in the midfielder section and ask Nangolin <laughs> what it do, baby, what it do. <laughs> so, guys, uh, we're it's no secret we are uh, all Roma fans. Let's let's take a little bit of a more in-depth uh, view of them on the first leg of uh, the 2016-2017 season. Uh, for for first thing, uh, man of the ha- first half of the season. Do you guys have any takers? Uh, who's really impressed you for the first half? I think the answer that most people would say, uh, you know, right away is Jekyll, just because he's scoring so many goals. But Nangolan is the heartbeat of the squad. Uh, I think when he is playing at his best, he is winning tackles. He is a box to box midfielder scoring goals. Uh, he, for me, is is the best player on Roma this for so far this season. Yeah, you got to echo Nangolan. Um, Nangolan, which is great because he just said in an interview that he doesn't think he's going to go anywhere in January, which would be just too big of a signing for for him to go. But that you know, there's a bond with him in Roma, so it's 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 good that we've seen him. You know, I mean, think about the player he was when he came over from Cagliari, and think about how sensational he's been this first half of the year. Um, I think you got to throw DeRossi into the mix. Um, if you're talking about midfielders, DeRossi um, has had an amazing amount of contribution. But, you know, for me, it's Jekko. Uh, Jekko scoring all the goals. And I think you got to throw another honorable mention in there to Mohamed Salah. It sounds pretty unanimous, guys. My, I just love how Nangolin plays. I love how he's box to box and he's aggressive. That's great. Um, glad, glad to see that Salah is back. How about the, the cons, guys? Uh, what what do you think uh, Roma could improve on going forward for 2017? Well, I think everyone's holding their breath at the back. Um, Fazio, you know, we didn't really mention him. Fazio and the Monolos playing center back have actually been very surprising. Monolos, you know, obviously has drawn a lot of interest from big clubs around. He's a, you know, he's a big, tall, fast and effective defender. But Fazio has been, I mean, to me, a, a huge um, surprise, you know, he was so bad at Tottenham and he was so bad. Um, you know, he wasn't that great at Sevilla. And when we signed him, you know, usually if you're, if you're taking a player from an EPL team, as Roma does, sometimes you usually kind of take maybe an older player or a broken down player or a player, you know, that, that does not seen much playing time. And Fazio was that. So his, his last body of work really didn't lend anyone to be optimistic about his prospects. And, you know, in comes this caveman dragging his club on the ground, you know, painting on the painting in, in caves, you know, pictures of him fighting woolly mammoths. Fazio play football. Um, <laughs> but he uh, he's 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 been very, very effective. So if the con being from all of this, as I list a pro, um, I still think that Rome is really shaky in in the in, in defense. We don't have a left back. Mario uh, Mario Rui. Um, when he comes back and be that guy, um, I think he's an excellent player. So hopefully he'll feel that, but he's going to have to knock some rust off of it. Um, and we've you know traded around with some other players at that position. It's just been awful. So I think our shaky in the back and us not really having a clear cut left back is is a con for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Tad just you know kind of spilled it out. Uh, we'll see what happens next season when or next season, next half of the season when. Uh, Rui comes back. Hopefully, Florenzi shows up at the end of the season. That'll be a stretch, but you know, you never know. Yeah. Now these knees injuries are 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 changing everything. That they're coming back so quickly, and then maybe Bruno Perez could slide on the left, depending on how Rui plays. Uh, haven't seen enough from Juan Jesus. Unfortunately, that has been a little bit of a bust. 
Yeah, I'd like us to get one more winger just on my end. Uh, I would love a little bit more interaction with Nangalon in the midfield, something to really spring people forward. Uh, uh, hopefully, Florenzi uh, gets healthy very quickly. Yeah, Florenzi going down is a huge con. And I also, I mean, if we're just going to be point at one thing and be like, hey, this is a con from the first half of the season, missing out of the Champions League was brutal. Um, but it's happy yeah. to see that they kind of annihilated everybody in their group stage. So. You know that, that that's something good to to take from it. Um, group stage of the Europa. Yeah, group group stage of the Europa, and to see Porto make it through, man, that's just it's just soul crushing. Um, you know, again, pros for the first half of the season, though. I think we have to really be um, happy with the step up and play from Chesney. Um, you know, again, taking a player from the EPL like that that has kind of some big game um, disappointments um, to be able to see him. You know, don't don't make a move off his mark, but he's 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 proven to be a really good shot stopper this this the first half of the season so far. Yeah. I do want to mention two guys, Kievo. Uh, they'll finish the first half here with eleventh uh, with twenty five points. Um, I don't know how crazy they are about that. I I honestly thought they'd be a better team than that this season, but that's where they are, middle of the pack. Um, two biggest games I think for them. They beat Inter early on, which at that time was was a big deal now maybe not so much but we can't forget with Kievo they fell for their first victim to Crotone in Crotone Syria history so you're going to live that down for the rest of history sorry Kievo fans how about uh guys uh let's keep going on with the top five here we got Napoli and Fiorentina this finished with a 3-3 Napoli coming back late saving a, a point against La Viola um Honestly, not the narrative we thought it was going to be for this game. Napoli was, they've been a buzzsaw through the league uh, for the past few games. A lot of that having to do with Mertens just crushing goals. Uh, but this game was kind of like a prize fight, the one you would actually want to pay for. Uh, back and forth, the whole second half was really good. What do you guys think was the motivation for Fiorentina in this game? Was it Souza's job? What, what do you think? I thought Fiorentina, one thing is it, it was a big game for everybody in the city. Uh, the, the stadium was huge, so being able to have a, you know, it was packed. So being able to play in front of a big home crowd like that is great. And to be honest, like with the players that Fiorentina's had, the, the thing, the, you know, all, everything about them in the news has been somewhat negative, and they have some stud players. I mean, feel the burn, baby. Bernadeschi was absolutely electric in this game. He was amazing. Marco texted me, thinks he's going to buy his Italy jersey. Um, <laughs> so I think, you know, proving the naysayers wrong, um, not thinking that this is a team that's not held together with any sort of uh, fortitude, I think that they, they they wanted to prove some people wrong in this game. You know, it's funny that Mertens gets that, gets that goal and is like, oh my God, here we go, mm-hmm. third game yeah. in a row. Um, but like you said, it's just Bernadeschi, like, yeah, he's had a great season, but he just didn't take a bad touch this game. Uh, that ball that he had to Sarate was yeah, I mean, and the assist. incredible yeah. on the third goal. And, you know, really just goes to show you that Fiorentina, like we've been saying, has the has the players. Um, sometimes they just lack the edge. And uh, when players like Bernadeschi, who are, you know, hometown heroes and young start making these plays and they they come up big it kind of makes you forget everything that's happened this season it makes you think that Fiorentina really is one of the top teams in Serie A you guys think uh, 
Is his job is safe for the winter window here? I mean, Marco said it last last week that a result against Napoli thinks that he means thinks he's going to say, and I got to have to tend to agree with that. Um, you know, this is a game. You know, when they a team that you know play, playing this well against and having this result against Napoli, who has been playing the best soccer in Italy for the past, past three or four weeks. I mean, they've 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 been absolutely beautiful. Um, it makes you wonder how much of the insp- the players have gotten behind Seuss in the past couple of weeks. You know, they showed up with a result for him. And you know, who knows, maybe his motivation of the team, going back to the previous question, was, hey, you know, we really don't have much to lose in this game except for my job. So maybe let's just go out and have some fun. Because, you know, the burn man, uh, Bernadeschi, <laughs> you know, he, he played Bernie like... Sanders. Yeah, the, the, you got a hashtag feel the burn. Um, but uh, he played like he had a huge weight off his chest. And uh, really, kind of put on a clinic against a team that has been putting on a show the past couple of weeks. So I think yeah. his, I think his job is safe. So let's uh, let's turn our attention to Napoli here. Um, the big story uh, is the the third goal scorer here. He comes on on the 86th minute. It's Gabbiadini, and uh, it just got announced this week. Uh, Napoli announced, "quote Gabbiadini not suited to coach Maurizio Sarri." style of soccer club president de Laurentiis uh compared him to an out of keynote in a harmony this is the same president who gave juve's iguain the portly nickname il chiatone the chubby one so gabbiadini comes on he nets a penalty kick to save napoli's point and now it seems like that's not enough for this guy so they're going to ship him out guys what do you think is uh this the right move for napoli to get rid of gabbiadini I mean, you know, he scored a PK. Uh, they gave him the PK. I don't know why. He must have been making the most PKs in in training or something. He. It's not like he he was uh, super dangerous in those last five. I I you know it was a couple couple games ago when Mertens got dropped to the number nine that I thought Gabbiadini was out just because it just you know it was a, there was a message from the coach saying that he's not. He's not doing well enough in my system. I have to change. I'm, I'm. I have to shift around Mertens to make do uh, because we don't have the the strike force that we need right now. So since he's young, he could you know potentially bring a, a decent sum of money, um, and you know maybe they can reinvest. And I think Pavoletti is going to be probably coming over. Um, I think that's you know they're hammering out the details there, and uh, it, I just I just think that Napoli is is in good shape 3-3 tie in Fiorentina is a good result the Gabbiadini thing is an interesting one to me um and I'm going to tend to disagree with Marco on this one I think that having a young big left-footed Italian striker I mean if if you're selling him and you're buying Pavoletti you're basically buying a much more fleshed out version of the floor of Gabbiadini and Pavoletti because he's 27, 28 years old, and he's good. Um, he hasn't really been setting the world on fire. And maybe, sorry, you know, every coach is arrogant enough to think that if I get this player, you know, I'm going to make him great. But Gabbiadini is a guy that you just don't sell in January at his age. Even, you know, I mean, is, is he going to fetch a lot of money? I mean, somebody's got to pay for him. Why not hold on to him and loan him out? You know, see... Uh, uh, see what he looks like when he's playing every day for a, a team where the ball has to go through him. So I just, I think that his ceiling is so high 
that he could turn out to be, you know, just a world-class striker and to, to get rid of him, um, just is a little arrogant. And I think it's a little premature. Yeah. Napoli certain get certainly getting results from other players. Uh, Mertens has been unreal. He's got 11 goals on the season in CNA with five, uh, uh, Hamsik has five. They're doing pretty well for Napoli. That gets them a third place finish for the first part of the season. They're three points behind Roma and must be feeling pretty confident for the winter break. Uh, they lose Iguain and they're they're in third place for the league. That that must make them feel good. And then Fiorentina is a middle of the pack team. They're ninth with 27 points. Uh, probably where they belong. Maybe someone some of you guys uh, think that they should belong a little bit higher than that, but. Um, you know, not not too much uh, for the first part for them. And the next two games are against Pescara and Chievo uh, before they play Juve. So a good chance for Fiorentina potentially to you know start the new year with some some a solid six points. Yeah, Napoli's got to feel really good for this first half. I mean, yeah, they hit kind of a slump there in the middle of the first part of the season, but now they've hit their stride. Um, it looks like you know if Mertens keeps on playing this way. You know he's 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 one of the best players in Europe at the moment. So I think that they're in striking distance to really, you know, put it together and make a run at the Scudetto. Yeah, let's keep going, guys. We got uh, a, a really good game here: Inter and OTFR. Final score was three nothing in this one, and who else for Inter after the beginning of this season? Icardi goes off again. And Inter take this one with an emphatic three nothing win over OTFR, who is who is at the top uh, of the table. Marco, what do you got for this game? Yeah, you know, it, the first half is is kind of a battle. Uh, you know, I think that OTFR uh, as of late is underperforming a little bit, but they, you know, we're putting in pretty decent performance. Uh, and you know, Felipe Anderson specifically, Ooh, who, is he good? Was the player of the match for on on the on the OTFR side? Really, you know, was was showing that he was dangerous. But you know, right on cue, second half, uh, the twelve minutes of three goals back to back to back from Inter uh, are started off from our very own Iver Banega, who we said last week was, you know, potentially on his way out. Uh, you know, not really performing, uh, you know. Hey, I didn't say that. I said that I think that they should keep him. And realistically, he, you know, he he is a pretty crucial player when he's on for them. He's probably their best midfielder. So we'll see. We'll see if, uh, you know, if, if there's going to be some weird dealings in the back with the, you know, like uh, in the, you know, in the background with the, with management management and stuff. But yeah, Icardi, here he is again, you know, uh, glad to see that. I think that the fans were cheering for Icardi when he was scoring these goals and he scores two of them. Icardi is Scott 14 goals right now. And he's just too shy of last season's mark of 16. This guy's having a hell of a season and if if things for whatever reason fizzle out at the end of this year, he's going to be another one of those huge signings uh, going out, I, and hopefully not. You know, I I got to eat my words a little bit on Icardi because it just shows you soccer is just a game of momentum and build up. Because for the better part of the first half of the season, I thought this guy's on his way out. The fans hate him. 
this is just a poisonous situation with with what he said about the ultras and uh he, he seems to be missing goals but then he nets a brace here against otfr gotta leave him feeling good for the christmas break I don't know. I guess I got to eat my words. He's going to be sticking around for the rest of the season. Yeah, Icardi is a superstar, guys. I mean, he's he was he twenty two years old. Um, he's art. I mean, this right now he's the Capo Cannonieri. Um, and if if it if it plays out that way, that will be the second time he has been Capo Cannonieri in of Italy. Two years ago, he led Italy in golds. Actually, tied with none other than Luca Toni. Um, so, you know, this guy. He can just rise above it, and for anybody to have anything but adoration for his play through all of this, and yeah, he's kind of a you know he's kind of a kind of a jerk apparently, a rat, yeah. And but he scored forty seven percent of Inter's goals, and so Inter needs him to be performing well. Um, I agree, it was weird for a while there with their coaching situation, but this guy's a superstar, and I think that. Um, what is shown is that when he's on the field, that's all really that matters to him. Uh, how about with Inter? With uh, just going to mention some of the transfer rumors here. Uh, have you guys seen anything with them making big moves in the winter break? Yeah, you know, uh, I think that John Obi Mikel from Chelsea. There's a chance. There's a chance that he comes over at Inter, uh, especially if Kung Dogbia heads out. Um, John Obi Mikel still relatively young. I mean, he's. Not super young, but he's he's been playing since such a young age. Um, Nigerian international, very good player. Um, and again, would kind of be replacement for Kondogbia. Um, Mikel a little bit out of favor of, for Conte. That's why the rumors are spinning right now. But you never know. There's play, there's players on Chelsea that like don't see time, and then all of a sudden they're like in the starting lineup. So yeah, so you know maybe there's some other transfer rumors going around. Uh, again, uh, I think that. Inter's pretty stacked. I threw another one in here. Apparently, Lucas Leva from uh, Liverpool. Um, He might be on the way. Tad, you saw that one? Yeah, I think he's set for a loan. Lucas is a good player. Um, He's a little injury prone, um, but he is a very, very serviceable midfielder, and I think that it would be a great addition. Also, he's a veteran, so I think he's in his late 20s, maybe 30 years old. you know, he, he plays well under pressure, so that, that's a good move for him. Okay, um, guys, let's let's turn our attention to the other team, uh, OTFR. They uh, finished the first half of the season in fourth place with 34 points. Um, what did you think of them for, for this game uh, in particular? Can't be happy with a 3 nothing loss to uh, a middle-of-the-pack team, but uh, how do you think OTFR is doing right now? Again, they're there's kind of underperforming, but they're still in that fourth place for the Champions League um, play-in. So um, I, I just think you know at 34 points they should be extremely happy. Uh, it's it's a little weird, you know. We haven't seen Chiro Mobile score since he's was playing against Sassuolo October 18th. God, man, time's been flying. Yeah, but you know you have you you have these games from Felipe Anderson that you know they have the players. Um, you know, I just, we'll see. I, I saw some transfer rumors saying that they're potentially looking at Simeone. And there's mm-hmm. something interesting there because Simeone, he played at OTFR and he's a very good player there. So maybe there's some history there. Um, we'll see if they're they're going to reinforce their their lines, this, this uh, transfer window. 
But OTFR, you know, hopefully they uh, hopefully they don't, and hopefully they drop out of the European contention. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, they uh, uh, they need more consistency from key positions. Um, they're 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 defensive mid. At some games, just completely goes away. Their back line, some games completely goes away. So they just need more consistently out of people that are not their star players. And yeah, not seeing Shuri Immobile score since the 18th hurts. Um, he has been dangerous. I just think he's been a little bit unlucky. And Felipe Anderson is on the Serie A starting 11 side. How about guys? Uh, let's. It's some unfortunate news, but uh, it did get announced uh, last week about the Lulich incident uh, with with Rudiger on Roma. Uh, some ra- racial overtones, racial comments directed in Rudiger's uh, way. So the ban is only for 20 days. It includes the Christmas break, and so he'll only miss one game after it seemed like Syria was really deliberating over what was suggested could be as much as a 10 game ban for him. What did you guys think of, uh, the, the eventual, uh, ban that they, that the league has given Lulich here? I mean, this is, this is just unbelievably disappointing. Um, I think it's, it's insulting. And the fact that they did a, a day ban and they included the Christmas break, it's, you know, time served. And he hasn't been suspended while he's playing, which I'm fine with. They have a union. They could figure that kind of stuff out um, on, on those terms. But, like, to basically have a guy blatantly say something racist, be pointed out this is racist, and then back it up, and then have another body of people deliberate over this for, like, three weeks and come up with the opinion that the message they want to send to the world and the message they want to send to, you know, players of color playing in the Syria ah that you can be insulted like this and really not much is going to happen to the, uh, uh, you know, to, to the party that's aggrieved people. And I'm not a huge person on like giving out punishments to deter future behavior. But I tell you what, if this is the punishment you're giving, you're making a, a clear statement that you don't necessarily consider this issue to be important enough. Yeah, my, my thoughts on this, uh, just doing a little bit of background research, Lulich himself has been a, um, you know, a refugee. He, he apparently grew up in Switzerland sometime. So, you know, maybe maybe think about situations more, too, that just, you know, you, you should uh, um, respect immigrants and, and, and uh, you know, just directly going to, to race uh, when, when you're angry about a game result or, or another player. Uh, I, I just uh, it's, it's frustrating. I will say I believe in forgiveness. Um, uh, people do make mistake mistakes and should be given the opportunity to redeem themselves if there's genuine remorse. But but between uh, what Lulich has done here, the fact that his his apology, you know, he did apologize. Give him credit for that. Give credit to OTFR for for giving an apology. But this just feels like the league is sweeping it under the under the rug. The player is sweeping it under the rug. It just, I, Marco said it. I think it just sends a bad message uh, um, for for the league as a whole. So, and on top of that, there is precedent for a ten game ban. Uh, apparently, uh, Atalanta's Alberto Grassi uh, in a youth game did have have a racial incident occur and and uh, did get a ten game ban. So. It, it wouldn't have been totally out of the way, out of the norm for for a serious ban to have occurred. You're making a purposeful statement with 20 days and then having it being over the break. 
instead of giving him even saying it's one game down there. 20 days means basically, um, you know, uh, it doesn't mean anything, but we're going to try and make it look maybe a little bit more. Unfortunately, you don't really. It's sad to say you don't know what sort of dealings are going on behind back, you know, behind the doors. You know, somebody is doing somebody a favor. I, I, I just can't believe this. Um, you know, I'm not implying anything uh, illegal. I just think that the fact that the this was the ban and this was how it was handed out, it just it's just something smells fishy and it's just it's just really disappointing. Uh, I still I'm gonna say you know Lulich you're you're just a rat so ratlich there you go yeah so unfortunately uh, that's the situation with uh, OTFR we we mentioned that they do finish the first half in in fourth place with 34 points Inter has to be thrilled they got 30 points and they're in seventh place um, Icardi doing well they're on their third manager since August with Pioli. Uh, you got to say for Inter, at least for them, that the future does seem bright here. No. Yeah, future's so okay. bright they got to wear shades. <laughs> That's an eighty-seven, right. Marco. Uh, we'll we'll see if they can break into the the top five. But for, at least for week eighteen, guys, that's the uh, top five for them. And we're going to start off with the middle of the pack after a break. This week's episode of Curve America is brought to you by Sumner Furniture. Sumner Furniture are office furniture experts based in the Washington, D.C. metro area. They provide high-quality new and used office furniture for all-size jobs, ranging from just one chair to million square foot offices. Sumner provides space designs, commercial moves, delivery and installation for projects nationwide. Check out their website, SumnerFurniture.com, or their eBay store. Contact them and mention Curve America for an additional 10% off any new or used office chair. All right, guys, we're back with middle of the pack. We're going to start off with Atalanta and Empoli. Score here 2-1, and Frank Kessie and Papu Gomez light up Empoli to give Gasparini his much-wanted sixth-place Christmas present. Go ahead, Tad. Yeah, that's all That's all Gasparini could talk about leading up this game. He really wanted He wanted to be firmly in sixth in, in, uh, in six place, and that's what he got. And Atalanta, you know, the score's 2-1, and it did take uh, a late goal for them to, to to secure it, but they smashed Empoli in all statistical categories. 66-34 possession, 33-3 in shots. Jeez. 22-10 on dribbles one. Um, Empoli does open up, you know, scoring in a fashion that a team that is getting punished manages to pull out a goal. They get a set piece converted by their scorching hot striker right now, which I'd like to call him now the Georgia Peach, Levon Mikdelidetsich. Nice. Sure, we're going with that. I like the Georgia, Georgia Peach. Because he's from, he's from the Georgia. country of Georgia? Yeah, he's from the country of Georgia. No, he's not He's not like Ty Cobb's great-grandson or anything like that. <laughs> um, but, you know... They're they're punishing, they're punishing, they're punishing Empoli, and they just need that one flick to come on. They need an, an, just that one spark to really put them over the edge, and Gasparino puts on Kessie to create havoc alongside the master of disaster himself, Alejandro, Alejandro, Papu Gomez, um, who had seven dribbles in this game and four shots, and in my opinion, was the man of the match. Maybe we'll see him at Roma. Um, but Kessie scores a near post strike, 
um, that's dished to him by Papu Gomez, that is the type of goal that's going to put him in the Premier League. Absolutely beautiful. At some point, that's right. Um, D'Alessandro scores after Kessie, creates a cross that just has this big melee. I mean, I almost thought there was a cloud of dust and saw a chair flying out of the top of it in front of the goal. He pops it in, pops his shirt off, game, set, match. Um, and uh, Atalanta go home with a 2-1 victory, and they get go into Christmas break riding six. Um, you know, the story for Atlanta, Atalanta in this game, excuse me, Atalanta, um, they looked like a team coming back into form, and they played that fearless style of soccer that we saw them play against Roma, young, dynamic, um, and they really needed to beat up on a basement dweller um, going in, you know, going into the break. But the story for Empoli is, is they basically just relied on Skrupski to not make this game more embarrassing. Again, 33 to three shots on goal. He was totally on his head. Um, and the only goals he gave up was a world-class strike from Kessie and one that, you know, was a was a brawl in front of the goal that even the greatest goal in the world wasn't going to stop. But my question for you guys is, we see Atalanta go in at sixth place into these last four games of the season, you know, they get this result against Empoli, they get a result against Milan, but they get drubbed by Juventus and they lose a heartbreaker to uh, Samp. You know, what can you say for certain about Atalanta in the first half of the season? I think what you can say for certain is that just what you've already said, they're young, dynamic, and fearless. When you have young players, you have inconsistencies uh, and you have flashes of brilliance if they're good young players so i think that atalanta has got everything to look forward to except for this transfer window because this is where certain players may be getting poached and uh you know they're again they're gonna have to do some good work in the uh, management office because if you want to end up this season in possible european contention you need to keep some players and you keep them happy i don't know uh you know maybe I don't know how to incentivize these players, uh, maybe reiterating to them that if, if you want a big contract at the end of this season or a pop, big transfer, it's all based on how the team finishes. So, you know, it's 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 they're professionals as well. So they're going to they're going to stay motivated. But I think that Atalanta is young, dynamic, fearless. This is the best way to describe them the way you did uh, a little bit earlier. My my uh, takeaway for Atalanta is Sassuolo. How do you like them apples? I mean, this is really where we thought Sassuolo would be, really challenging for a top spot. Sassuolo's in the basement. Atalanta's new kid on the block, really making moves. Um, I will tie it back to what we were kind of talking about with Spalletti before. Of uh, A few weeks ago, we mentioned how uh, Gasparini, uh, basically the, the team owner, got the first team together and said, guys, Gasparini's our guy. You're either going to play for him or we're going to be terrible this season. And everyone's kind of bought into his uh, game plan, and it's worked out this season. They've really done well. So uh, I think they have their, their manager going forward, and um, I think they, they got their Christmas present. they got to be happy about that. Yeah, that's going to be motivating for them going into the second half of the season. Look for them to continue to be this way if they don't get poached. Gasparini himself says he's confident that no one will leave between now and June um, and that he actually thinks that they're going to be buyers. So maybe uh, maybe the front management office is is get get a little blood of the of their enemies in their mouth and they, they really want to go for it. Um, it's rumored that Caldara missed this game for the Juve medical. That deal is supposedly done and worth about 15 million. But 
great, as Marco brought up in the previous episode, a great piece of um, a great piece of business done is that he's actually going to stay at Atalanta on loan um, until 2018. So they get some money, but they uh, uh, they get to keep their star young center mid. Sorry, center back. All right. Keeping on uh, with the middle of the pack, we're going to go up to Torino. Torino versus Genoa. This one finished one nothing. And, guys, it's El Gallo, the rooster. Marco, you got this one. It's too funny seeing the guy. Uh, there's a guy in the rooster costume playing with his iPad in the stands <laughs> before the game. I mean, this guy, he, he's some foreshadowing right there. He uh, Good things to come. Probably so. taking selfies. You know, Yaich uh, for Yaich and Falke in the in the first half. You know, just really some showing some moments of brilliance. Uh, Yaich, you know, almost created a goal in the first half where he cut it. Did a couple of his signature cuts to the inside uh, and just weaving. Almost got a nice goal. Uh, but Belotti heads one home and uh, moves into second place in the scoring charts for Capocagnoneri. Uh, he's got 13 goals. Uh, and he's got the second highest goal to minutes ratio after Mertens. I yeah, mean, that just went up recently. I'll tell you, this guy, this guy is young, solid. I think that he is going to be another one of these big contract guys. Mm-hmm. And also helping uh, local merchandisers with uh, the chicken costumes because I at least saw at least four more in the crowd after watching the highlights of this game. That's right, they're Pre- flying off the shelves. Pretty soon they're gonna have to put a little chicken coop next to that that fake bull. <laughs> <laughs> Genoa, you know, solid middle of the pack team, and what does that mean? Uh, you know, a solid middle of the pack team is a team that gets a random randomly amazing result they have some really good players uh that you know sometimes are able to get them out of trouble like Simeone and uh that they they just lose to teams below them and then they win and tie so that's what they they are this season they lose to Torino you know they're definitely not as good as Torino but you know is they a beat tough Juventus, match. then lose to Palermo. It's a tough match, <laughs> yeah. you know, because Gen- Genoa could have very well uh, won that game. I know Simeone had a chance or two to do so in this game, uh, and it's just how the you know just how it falls. If they they lose Pavoletti to Napoli, get some money for him, you know. There's some some other transfer rumors, uh, you know, besides Simeone going uh, to potentially OTFR. I mean, we're talking about Laxalt here. I mean. We saw Conte get Marcos Alonso from Fiorentina, and everybody was kind of scratching their heads. He revived Victor Moses, who was kind of a you know washout uh, in. He was kind of a wash in the Premier League. So what if he gets Laxalt now from Genoa and uh, turns him into a monster at Chelsea? You never know. So Genoa hopefully is not just a feeder team uh, by the end of the season, but again, they're just solid middle of the pack. And giant killers. Tad mentioned Juve. They also beat Milan. Uh, they got some bad losses in there too, but uh, you know they they can hurt you. Moving on, guys. We are going to go to Udinese and Sampdoria. So we're going to Sampdoria, and this was really a game of two halves. Ended with no goal, zero zero. Udinese was the winner of the first half. I thought Zapata had a couple good chances. Uh, nothing from our favorite HDCT guys. I don't know if you saw on Instagram we put up uh, a pretty uh, good resemblance between HDCT, Cyril Thoreau, 
and the original HDT Henry David Thoreau. Any thoughts on that? Good well, resemblance? They uh, they come from the same gene pool. They have the same last name. So perhaps. <laughs> I, d- I don't know how many tattoos Henry David Thoreau had, but uh, HDCTs <laughs> covered in them. Just yeah. solid solid editing, though, on that on that meme. I just <laughs> thought it was really good. I think people will do themselves a favor and go to the Instagram page and check it out. Well, HDCT did uh, do something this game. He made himself a conscientious objector to, to goal scoring. They had this beautiful Barcelona-like break where, like, Duvon uh, had a give-and-go, and then he laid one perfectly off to uh, HDCT, who was alone in front of the goal but had a bad first touch, which allowed the uh, defender to catch up to him. And he takes one dribble off his right foot and just kicks this weenus of a shot that, like, you could just see it just go, like, this the ball deflate and drop right at the feet of the goalie. And then you just hear the announcer pause and go, semplice. <laughs> Uh, that's a shame. Uh, maybe some some more uh, thought provoking analysis in the woods to to complete the comparison to HDT. Well, we're making comparisons here, though. If you you guys seen this dude Halfordson, I think we all know what Principal Strickland did before he came to Hill Valley High and Back to the Future. This dude is bald as a cue ball, man. Comes off, I'm like, dang, how many how many people are is he calling slackers on this team, man? There's some there's some weird uh, 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 time space continuum stuff going on with that Back to the Future stuff, and I'm not sure that young Principal Strickland wasn't playing uh, uh, in the Syria A uh, in the in the future, but the past, who knows? Okay, uh, how about uh, for Sampdoria? Their uh, chances came in the second half by the usual sp- suspects. We got the babyface killer Muriel, Quags Qualiarella, and the Razor Man Schick. None of them get a goal this game, but uh, played pretty well in the second half. Um, you know, that's really it with this game, guys. Just some yeah. good chances. But Muriel's striking was off. Um, you know, Quags busts his ass, but sometimes you know he was just a little, he was just a little off as well. And Schick doesn't he look like that dopey high school kid who wears like white socks that are never like totally on his feet? Like he's yeah, a, that was me. <laughs> just just <laughs> just just a goomba. Um, Matthias Sylvester, though, for Sampdoria has made the most accurate passes in his own half in the Serie A this season with 602. So thank you, who scored push at, push notification. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's something that like Bonucci, I think, won last year. So uh, last midseason, I was reading the papers in, in, in Italy and seeing that that stat. So uh, I've been teaching Marco how to read. Hey, Silvestre, good on you. Good on you, boy. <laughs> So for these teams, guys, uh, Udinese finishes part one, 10th place with a new coach in Del Neri, and a pretty respectable 25 points. Uh, I think if you're replacing your coach halfway through, uh, you you got to be happy with that. Whereas Sampdoria, they close out just behind Udinese in 13th with 23 points. I got to think they were hoping to do a bit better than that. Um, but hey, we still got another half season to go. Moving on, we got Cagliari and Sassuolo. This one finishes 4-3 in Calgary's favor. Tad, you got this one. Yeah, my man, the Calgary, the guys that I picked uh, uh, at the uh, at the beginning of the season for my promoted team, they come back uh, after being down 3-1 in the second half, led by Jimmy Farias, Diego Farias, who was just absolutely electric in the second half of this game. And this game, I mean, again, much like the uh, uh, 
the Fiorentina Napoli game just just was a slugfest. It was a game that the fans got to be happy they got their money's worth, and there was a lot of them at this game, except for in the the corners of the stadium. Um, you know, Sal opens up scoring from a corner from Calgary, um, followed by but after he scored, then uh, uh, for Calgary, um, Sassuolo come roaring back with goal of the week contenders from Adjabong, who had an amazing goal, and Pellegrini. Um, but Ish gets real when Pellegrini follows up his wonder goal with a bonehead, you know, midfield sweep the leg, Johnny, um, and he gets the boot, gets yeah, pretty, a straws pretty, a straight red, the boot. Pretty of shame. soon after he scored. Uh, but did you did you think Tad that it was a straight red? And it was worthy of a straight red. He sw- he swung his leg and and took out the other guy's legs. That'll that'll get you every single time, even if it was a, a bit of a, a bit of drama played out by the Calgary player. But you know, kids these days, they're gonna do that. They're gonna go after Ralph Macchio when he's hurt and try and hurt his <laughs> leg. And so Arrivederci, Lolo Pellegrina, and Salve Ten Men Sassuolo. So Sass are down to ten, more than half the game to go. Um, but Calgary continue not doing any favors for themselves. In the early second half, they follow a player in the box against a ten man side, and a Cherby makes it three one. Um, you know. At, at that point, you got to say, you know, somebody better go tow those cars out in front of the Sassuolo goal because Sassuolo is getting ready to park the bus. Yep. Um, you know, and Calgary, things are looking pretty drab for them at this point. You know, they're down 3 1, even though they're playing a 10 men's 10 side uh, team, 10 man side. Um, and in the past 30 years, sorry, the past 30 days, the, the best thing they have done is drawn Pescara. Otherwise, they've been straight waffle stomped by Sampdoria, Napoli, and Empoli for a combined score of 10 to 0. So I think they're we're probably just getting ready for these little stink nuggets to be mashed down the drain. Um, but Calories Diego Farias will have none of that, um, just like Clay Matthews and Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers, brought to you by State Farm. He says, nobody comes into our house and disrespects us, not here. Not anywhere. And he picks up a golf club and prepares to swat the fly that is Sassuolo. Um, and he scores two after strike partner Marco Borriello emerges from a pile of writhing naked women long enough to you know, get his cameo goal that justifies his paycheck as a mid-30s Italian striker playing for Calgary. Um, but he lines, Farias lines up two bombas from distance, one angrier than the last to skyrocket Calgary to a three-way tie for 12th place with 23 points with Genoa and Sampdoria. Um, guys, we talked last week about Rustelli being on the hot seat. What did Calgary show you with this come-from-behind win against a 10-man Sassuolo? That they're just another you know, mid, mid-table mid team that uh, is able to, once in a while, uh, spark the imagination. I think Diego Farias had a, a hell of a game. Uh, Marco Borriello is good for a goal every five games. And so, and Marco Sao, and Marco Sao is just a good player. Sassuolo, you know, we haven't said in two weeks, so you know they need Berardi back yeah, if they want to. Desperately, uh, they they just I don't know. It seems like any time that they you know, this is like the I feel like this is the second or third time that we're seeing a game like this for Sassuolo where, you know, they just uh, they weren't able to close the game and they they got punished for it. I mean, they have this has got to be a new low for the Nero Verdi, though. I mean, Calgary, like I said, it just they've been crushed this past month. They, the best thing they did was draw one one to Pescara, and then three teams beat them a combined ten zero, and they're up three um, one. They go it on a ten men and they blow the game. Like, 
it's they, they, yeah, they just they need Berardi. They need their injured players back. Yeah, I, I think the result says a lot more about Sassuolo than it does about Cagliari, who are just. They, you're right, Ted. They've been dreadful, dreadful. But Sassuolo, okay, you go down ten men. You can't let three goals go in and lose the game. That uh, you you can't blame that on injury. You know, you're okay. right. Just park the bus and win. Mm-hmm. So tough one for them. I I really think we got to start saying Di Francesco got to be on the hot hot seat soon. No, and, he's 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 had he's had. I mean, I understand where you come from that, but he's had such an unlucky string of. You know, I mean, they were hot coming out when they beat Athletic Bilbao in Europa. And I think, you know, they were at the top of the table until Berardi went down. So he's just had a he's had he hasn't had any luck. Well, I bet with the podcast curse now, they'll they'll come back and go undefeated in the second leg of the season. Now that I've said it there. Yeah. Now they'll win the league. Right. Um, I think that's it with these two teams, guys. We're we're just going to mention Bologna obviously got postponed. And so that'll do it with the middle of the pack. So we're going to jump into Marco and Tad's favorite part, the it, danger Marco. zone. Da, da, da. The danger zone. <laughs> All right, guys, just got one game for the danger zone this week, and two of the teams playing are in the danger zone. Palermo versus Pescara. This is another game of the week, W-E-A-K. And then, Marco, you're going to take it away for this one. Bottom of the table battle, uh, you know, Palermo off an emphatic win at Genoa and pregame light show in the curva. They just treat their fans to a good old-fashioned trash game. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'll tell you what, Croissant, my favorite ham and cheese, Croissant, <laughs> he scores an absolute screamer, uh, game of the week, a goal of the week candidate, takes the ball in the 18 and rifles it upper 90, he puts the Rosoneda ahead. Uh, you know, Pescara gets one back in the game, but, you know, not really much to say when you have these two teams playing each other. It's just a battle for a, a couple scrap, scrappy points. And, uh, yeah, the Palermo fans were hyped. Yeah. But then Pescara goes and ties, and it's like, come on. What well, are we doing I here? mean, you gotta, what you got to love about this, though, this game, though, is that the Paler- like the Palermo fans turned up. And that, like, they know to stay up, they have to, they have to win these games, or they have to support their teams for this game. So, it just makes you love the fans in Italy, uh, you know, putting it together and, and coming out in, in full force to uh, to cheer on the on their team as they're having just a dreadful, awful, pathetic season. Nine points yep. uh, for Pescara, nine points for Crotone, and ten points for Palermo. They are solidly ground in the danger zone. Um, Good luck, you know. Hopefully they uh, they get some some luck this in this next calendar year. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, bigger things uh, for the danger zone teams. All right, we mentioned Crotone; they got postponed as well. So that does it for week eighteen, guys. Let's jump ahead and talk about the awards uh, for week eighteen. Let's keep ourselves honest here. We had some predictions going into this week. First big one: we had Inter versus OTFR. And I think we all got this one wrong. Am I right? No. Uh, No, no, I'm not. I said Inter, boys. All right. Sorry, boys. I said said an Icardi brace, though, so. All right. Half a point for Tad. uh, But both uh, Tad and I thought the the top-level team, uh, OTFR, would have taken care of business. They did not. Marco, congrats to you. 
Next one we had was Fiorentina and Napoli. And we had Tad saying Napoli was taking this one 2-1. Marco had Napoli, and and I had Napoli. Who's and, Chris? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, e- easy there, Ron Burgundy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this one finishes 3-3, so we all take a big L on that one. Then the last one we were calling guys was Genoa and Torino. Uh, Torino took this one. Tad, you called it right with Belotti getting goals. He only got one. Marco and myself, we also called for Torino, all expecting big things from Belotti. So we did pretty well in that game, hey man, guys. Hey, those chicken costumes aren't going to sell themselves. So. That's right. That's right. Good job, Belotti. All right, guys, moving on. How about goals of the week? What are your candidates here? Um, I'm going to go with Benega. He scores one of those upper 90 goals off the dribble that just is just so poetic. And I think uh, Kwaison scored a very similar goal. It wasn't as from as far distance, but he was my goal of the week. He, he said, was like, get off me, son. He did say, get <laughs> off me, son. He said, give me that ham and cheese, Kwaison. And any positivity, positivity we can throw for Palermo, we'll, we'll do it. Uh, guys, I'm going to go with Bernadeschi, feeling the burn on, on his 30-yard 30 uh, 30 shot. Really good goal. Um, keep it going here. We got the other end of the field with save of the week. What do you guys got here? I'm going to go ahead and say Donnarumma on Dybala on, in the PKs to win the Supercoppa in Qatar. This man is a stud. And he, you know, studs make big plays. So he's uh, he's living up to his name right now. I'm going to go with Consili. Um, he blocked sub uh, Gianetti. And he actually had, is a back-to-back save. He the, Gianetti had a scissor kick over his head. A forbici. A forbiciare. Yeah, forbiciare. And uh, it blasted so hard it actually knocked Consili down. And he just barely got to a seated position. And block the rebound from his back. Amazing. I'm gonna go. Amazing. Amazing base. I'm gonna go for Inter here with Handanovic. He had a strong one against Immobile and really just had a good game. He had two others against Felipe Anderson. So keeping Inter uh, happy with the winter break. Well done, Handanovic. Guys, finally, man of the week. What do we got here? Who who really had a good week? Man of the week has to go to Santa Claus, <laughs> but I think uh, the player. Of the I'm going to go with Baby Jesu. All right. <laughs> no, but the player of the week has to be Icardi. You know, doing it once more. He's the he's the, he's the guy. He's the guy that Inter needs to perform if they want to keep uh, you know heading towards Europe. I uh, I think Chris and I are probably going to agree uh, on the same person. I'm feeling the burn as well. I think this is Bernadeschi's best game. Um, you know, two great goals and an absolutely incredible assist. I'm going to do a wild card here, guys, and uh, throw out El Sharawi. He hasn't been on the score sheet for a while. Glad to see he's back on there. Good week for him. Misa Sharshar Binks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, because we don't have Week 19 games next week, uh, we're going to do something different. Just... It's uh, the beginning of the new year this weekend, so uh, let's have some bold predictions from the pod. Who do you guys think are really going to take it? Teams of the 2017 season. Go ahead. It's going to be Roma for me. I think that Roma is, once they get some other players back from injury, um, 
they just have a solid team. You know, earlier we were talking about, you know, what are the biggest cons to Roma's season. I think it was some things that we put behind us because really their defense been playing better. Um, you know, their their offense is showing up. Their midfield seems strong. I think that Roma is in good shape for this next half of the season. Let's uh, let's see what happens. My bold prediction is I don't think Juventus is at least going to win the league outright. I think the Supercoppa Italia, while it was a um, you know kind of a over a hyped up uh, uh, exhibition game, um, I think that Milan beating them for the second time this season. I think there's a lot of cracks in the armor. I think there's some definite questions from that game at left back for uh, Juventus as well because Patrice Ever just got absolutely owned after Alexandro went off with injury. Um, and I think that they've shown three times this year and now four, including this Milan game, that they can be beaten um, and they can be beaten by almost anybody at any level of the table. So my bold prediction, sayonara Juve, arrivederci you're not going to get your sixth straight Serie A title. Very bold, very bold. I'm going to go at the other end of the table, guys. I'm being a bit of a homer here, I know. But Crotone, man, if they can make this interesting and make it a four-horse race with Empoli just above the danger zone, make it a fight that they can stay up till the end, that'd be a pretty exciting part of the second half of the season. Forza Croutons, Forza Squally. Hey, Chris, do you realize that... um because of the Super Copa Italia, we weren't, we weren't talking about Cortona getting beat 7-0 this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, Maybe they'll get it together, posit- though, and beat Juventus and help, help with my prediction. Exactly. With that positivity, we go forward as the Pitagorici for 2017. Guys, I think that'll wrap it up, wrap it up for us uh, in this uh, break, first week of the break. Um, we want to wish everybody a, a happy new year. Buon Capodanno. And uh, remember, we got social media out there, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, FabioCurveAmerica.com. Great and comment on iTunes, guys. Yep, Tad likes to get that in there about iTunes and SoundCloud. It'll be a while till we till you hear from us again, but until then, we say... Arrivederci. Ciao. Ciao.